Thank you for listening to The Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. Inevitably, every one of us will find ourselves stuck on the borderline. The borderline of making decisions. Anyone who wants to live a life worthy of Jesus, he said there's a wide path and there's a narrow one. And that narrow path will require incredible decisions that we have to make. I found myself in this place a couple weeks ago, processing a decision. Now, when you speak from a stage in a church, people immediately think, I wonder if he's talking about something with me. The answer is no. Maybe a future week. But I was processing something, a decision, a personal one, and I found myself in a place of basically desperation. I knew that there was no way forward. There was no way back. There was no way sideways. Maybe you found yourself in a spot like that where you're processing the outcomes, you're playing out scenarios in your mind, and no matter what scenario you choose in your mind, it does not end well. You don't know what it looks like ahead. And so you think, should I just not say anything? I'll just be quiet. But then you feel, yeah, but if I remain quiet, I feel like that's wrong too. I, I probably should, should say something. And sometimes you're, you're forced into making a decision. You know that those decisions could, you know, change your future. It could end relationships. It could change a lot of things. And you find yourself sometimes getting into dark places. It's in these spots that sadness always finds a way to, to creep in. You get really discouraged. You get tired. And you sometimes just try to shut off your thoughts. But you can't. And you know the scripture says, well, you can't add to your life by worrying. So, so, you, so you try your best to shut off your thoughts, but they don't stop. They keep going because you're in a spot that a decision has to be made and you're stuck on this borderline. And you want to cry. You wanna try, you wanna, but you can't. You can't get it out. Sometimes you can't cry because you've been crying about something and there's no more tears left. Maybe you feel blind. I think I, 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 you wonder, how did I even get here? You're going to find yourself in a spot and say, how did I even get here? How did we get here? And you're stuck on the borderline. And here's where the temptation comes in. See, when we find ourselves stuck on the borderline, we all will be tempted to drown our pain in something. We all have the things that we choose to drown our pain. As a person of faith, sometimes we can choose not to be people of love anymore and say, I'm, I'm done being loving, I'm done being kind, I'm done. We choose all kinds of things. Sometimes we doubt God. And what I hope never happens is sometimes we choose to leave God. Now, I wasn't thinking about leaving God, so just to let you know. But I was in all the emotions stuck on the borderline. 
And the desire I would have for my kids, my family, for this church would be that no matter how dark it gets on the borderline, no matter how confusing, no matter how much you're hurting, our desire for everyone in this church is that you will have seen God's activity in your life enough that you will know no matter how hard it gets, I'm not leaving them. No matter how difficult this is, I'm not ever leaving Jesus. No matter how hard it gets, that would be your resolve as you are stuck on the borderline. So I was reading. Kate said that she saw me on the back porch reading. And she said, ooh, he's reading Lamentations. I'll stay away. Because most people don't read Lamentations. But I thought, this is where I need to go this morning. The Book of Lamentations is a collection of poems really expressing human grief, doubt, and sorrow. It's the true events of a person who I witnessed one of the most horrific times in history. See, God has always been a God who loves us, but he never leaves us where we're at. Especially if we have some things we're choosing that aren't good. Sometimes like a good father, he'll he'll discipline us. That's what we would want. I mean, you know, if we were swimming in the Olympics and we're on national television and we're not swimming in a line, we're kind of veering off and going over the ropes, we would want a good coach not to say, hey, no, it's okay, You're you're trying your hardest. We want a good coach to say, hey, get over, what are you doing? Straighten out. We would all want that kind of coach. Well, God's like that for us at times. The people of Israel, his nation, his chosen people, his church at the time, were not representing him well in the world. They were choosing some pretty dark things. So God does what he always does in a loving way. He warns us, he gives us warnings. He'd send his prophets to warn them and say, you gotta change, you gotta turn around. You gotta leave this, you gotta stop. And over and over again, the leaders, the adults were not changing. They didn't change. So God disciplined them. And the way he did it was you know, not the way I would do it, but I'm not God. And so he chose another nation to come. And this nation was called Babylon. And this nation came and basically woke them up. And they had a siege on the city. Back in the day, if you were going to attack a city, you know, you don't want to lose people or men or soldiers. So what you would do was you would surround the city because the cities were different back then. They all had walls. And you would just surround it. And this city was surrounded for about 18 months, or some people say two and a half years. They don't know the exact dates. So they just camped out outside. And while they were camped out outside, surrounding the city, when you're stuck inside that city, when you are literally stuck, you eventually get thirsty. You die of thirst. You die of diseases. Because many people living in closed quarters over 18 months, all kinds of sights, smells, you know, or you die of famine. Then they can just go in and just, oh, people are, most of them are dead. The ones that are left, they're pretty weak. And so this was an eyewitness story in Lamentations of someone who was a survivor. And we see them process the emotions of what happened. You hear their voices of confusion. And to get an idea of just how dark God's people were, if you can imagine if we were in a famine or we were thirsty, The people have gotten so dark, the parents have gotten so dark that their thought and idea was, 
well, we'll start eating our own children because we're hungry. And they did. It's actually in the Bible. This is why I'm not a fan of just, God, show me your will, and you flip the Bible and you point to a verse. Because when you open up to the verse where they're offering up to eat their kids, you're like, what's going on here? This is crazy. This is how it got. So I'm going to read just a few lines from this poem. There's a whole book. You can read it on your own. And, and it's pretty dark. But Lamentations 2 says this. Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of night begin. Now, I'm already relating to this. First of all, it says, arise, cry out in the night. The first thing I'm thinking of is, I like to arise in the morning after I've slept, after I'm well rested. But this person is saying, no, arise. I am now wide awake and it's nighttime and I'm going to wrestle through the night. I have wrestled through so many nights, not being able to sleep, staying awake. You will be there at some point if you haven't already. For the younger kids, this is why all the adults drink coffee. Because when you're a kid, you know what our desire is? That you have great, you're supposed to sleep well. Sleep night, I'm in a home, my parents are protecting me, it's wonderful. It's the adults that got to stay up all night and worrying and stressed and they're staying up. That's why they drink coffee. It says, arise. And then it goes on to say this, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. This is a person who, who witnessed this personally, with pleading with people to lift up their hands to God, to turn back to God, because he saw kids hungry and starving. I think we all can relate and hate. Sometimes children suffer from their parents' evil, unfortunately, and their parents' choices. And so obviously as people, we're going to pray for God to provide for those kids. But that's the reality of, of what happens in life. Now, when I was reading this, I was kind of shocked that God kept this in the Bible, right? Like, I was thinking, like, how does this go down? Because if I'm playing God, thankfully I'm not. But if I'm God, I'm keeping this out of the Bible. I'm like, how did this happen? Was the Holy Spirit like, God, we're inspiring the human here to write the scriptures. They're including the negative stuff. And God was like, oh, let's not include that. That could, that could look bad for me. Let's only put the good stuff. Let's only put the times the humans are happy with us. That's what we want in this scripture. Because we don't want the God left me moments in the Bible. We don't want the doubting, the hurting, the weeping, the confused. Only include the, the verses where they always hope in me. The, the eternal optimists. Those are the only verses we want. Because if you want people to follow you, you want that. You don't want what was written. And yet, God put that in there. God put moments of grief and emotions, and he put it in here for us. This is in here for you and for me, these poems. Because expressions of grief is a part of the human experience. This is a part of what all of us will go through at some point. Not exactly the same scenario, 
but we have been there. Some of you have been there. And I love it that it said, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. And God wanted this there for us to say, you know, with God, that's the best place to work out the grief and the suffering with God, with him. Because God can handle our emotions. He's not getting overwhelmed when we share and express our laments. He can handle them. That's why he says, pour out your heart to the Lord. That's the right place to start to work it out. That's the place to work out. If you're going to a place where you're really emotional, work it out with God. That's where you start. In fact, I've written prayers of lament myself. And it's one time I left my notes out. And I think Kate read them and thought, he's in a really dark place. (laughs) So if you write them, delete them or get rid of them. Because if someone finds your files and like, this person was crazy in real life. But it was prayers of lament. It was a moment. And so we have this person's prayers of lament. But God can handle our emotions. And God can see what we can't see. A few weeks ago, um, two of my kids and I saw a a speaker talking about leadership and and faith, and he had no legs because he had stepped on a landmine, and it was clear he had robotic legs. If someone walked into a church and only had one leg, no one here would say, hey, you gave your life to Jesus. Why didn't your other leg come back? Nobody here would look at that person if they had a phantom leg pain and say, you know, I I thought you were sincere in your faith. That pain shouldn't be there. Nobody would say, you know, if you're a person of faith, God does miracles. Why hasn't your leg grown back? See, there are people who are wounded in their soul. Things that happen early on that got deep and it shattered them inside and nobody can see it. There are people who are psychologically walking through life on one leg. But God sees it all. God can handle it. All of our life's moments, all that's going on deep in our souls. That's why we give it to him. We start with him. He can handle what we're going through in our emotions. He can see it. In Lamentations 3, another part of the scripture, the poem, it says, So I say, my splendor is gone. And all that I had hoped from the Lord, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. When you find yourself stuck on the borderline, your mind's going to have all kinds of thoughts. You're going to go through a whole bunch of emotions. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good wife. I'm not called. I'm not equipped. I'm not smart enough. I'm not nice enough. I mean, the thoughts will come just as it did for this person. And their soul was downcast. And it's those moments I want to encourage everyone here. Some of those thoughts are just our thoughts, but some of those come from an evil place outside of ourselves. 
because there is a, an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy every one of our lives and everyone who God loves. Some thoughts come from spiritually dark places and they're, they're only there to destroy your life. And so in this lament, the next verse is when a shift happens. A shift happens in this person's life. And it says this in verse 21. Yet this I call to mind and have hope. Yet this I call to mind. This is that point in the movie where that big speech comes. There may come a day where we're starving, but today is not that day. There may come a day where our team loses the Super Bowl, but not this Sunday. This is where the big speech comes. And this, the moment comes to this person, yet, this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. A move is made in this person's life where they change their mindset. I call to mind. Here's where the person moves from emotions to good critical thinking. And he says in verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Write this down in your mind. When you get to these moments, tell yourself the truth. The Lord has great love for me. Tell yourself the truth. His compassions never fail. Tell yourself the truth. The future has compassion waiting for me because God is faithful. Tell yourself the truth. You have to choose to change your mindset and move from emotions to good thinking. He goes on to say, the next verse, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. This is where our mindset moves from I'm stuck to I'm waiting. I'm just waiting because I know God's going to come through to put your hope in God. This is not easy to do, but this is where we must move from being stuck to waiting. We have to put our hope in God, as this person says, because tomorrow can be a better day. We have to choose to put our hope in God because the future is more beautiful than this tragedy I'm in right now. We have to choose to put our hope in God because a beautiful future will overcome the darkness that I find myself in right now in this moment. See, we are not distant from God in these moments. He loves us. We're just being human and we're broken in a moment. And then he says something that I have a problem with. He says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Here's, here's why I get it messed up. And I'm just going to add, you get it messed up too, okay? This is us. We're, here's where we always mess it up. Because we know it's good to wait, but to wait quietly, this is where it's tough. You know, James said it 
Jesus' half-brother brought it to light. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, in James 1, 9, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is where we're going to get it messed up. This is where we just got to own it when we do. But to wait quietly. See, people will fail you at times. But this is also where you will fail people. That's why we have to be gracious. You know, it's hard when you're trying to help people who are going through emotional stuff. It's really hard. But it's also hard for other people when they're helping you go through emotional stuff. So that's why we got to be gracious. There is a uh, pastor named Marty McDonald. And when Kate and I became what we call in our kids, missionaries to Buffalo, we showed up. We started Wonder with no people. He said, God's going to build it. But we didn't show up alone. He was a spiritual mentor of ours and was going to be someone we could ask for advice and bring in in situations if we needed wisdom. And we, we asked him for wisdom many times over the years. And he's still with us. And he's going to be at our uh, building dedication in a few weeks. He's going to come here and pray. So we're excited for you to, to meet Marty. One of the things he gave us as wisdom when it was trying to deal with emotions and our emotional people, he had said, our job is not to manage people's emotions. Our job is to manage our own. He said, people are responsible for their own emotions. You've got to be responsible for yours. So what do we do when we're trying to manage our emotions? Ephesians 4, 26 gives us something practical when we're at that borderline. When we're in that spot where it's very emotional, you don't know what to do. This is in your anger. Do not sin. Another pastor who was a counselor, I asked his advice once in trying to help someone. He said, if you can't help someone, don't hurt them. Sometimes you just can't help somebody. Don't make it worse by hurting them. Sometimes you don't in intend to hurt people. That's why the scripture says to wait quietly. So when you find yourself on the borderline, I want to encourage you, tell yourself the truth. Wait on the Lord and wait quietly. But here's the wah, wah, wah. These will not help you get over the borderline. <laughs> if, these are just some practical things in the moment. But you're still stuck there. Because sometimes you're just still stuck in the tension. You're left there, maybe for months, managing the stress, managing the heartburn. But just like the scriptures always do, there's always the happy ending. In Lamentations 5, it says this. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Here is where the person got their groove back. They're like, all right, God, we got this. Your throne endures forever from generation to generation. And then in the next verse, he says this. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? Back to heartburn. Back to those dark spots. 
back to a struggle. But I said it has a happy ending because there's another verse. Verse 21. Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Now the author is getting pumped up. Renew us as the days of old. This is where Rocky's like, all right, Adrian, I'm going to go back out. And the training montage starts to come on. He's like, all right. Or Wonder Woman you know, comes out of the coma. And Steve says, come on, you can do this, Diana. And this is the moment where they come back and you're like, yeah. And the final fight shows up. And there's one more verse. Here it is. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. And that's the end of the letter. Left in the tension. Left on the borderline. See, that last verse, we could put it back up. Lamentations. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. This right here is the dark, one of the darkest human emotions we could ever have. Unless you have rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. The darkest place you could ever experience is if you believe you've lost God. The darkest place you could ever find yourself in is if you feel God has left you, abandoned you, it doesn't get much darker than having zero hope. And that's what this writer was left. But the reason why this book is in here for us is we actually know the ending. We actually know what happened to these people. God actually brought them back. He actually restored them once again. See, we see and know the endings. We can look at history. And that's the hope for everyone here today. That no matter how low and dark it gets, God will never leave you. You will never lose your God. For those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. And live your life in such a way that will make the world wonder. There must be more.